Hi there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Peltier. And I'm Ben Che. Later in the show, selfies and selfie sticks may be all the rage, but the self-portrait has been part of art for a very long time. We look at the selfies of Hong Kong-born artist Zhen Kuangqi. And in our studio, we do our bit to conquer the winter weather with Soul, Maud and Ska from Jamaica. Local band The Red Stripes are here. We're beginning with local music too, but it's about as far removed from mainstream cantopop as you can get. Just last month, local hardcore band King Lychee gave their 15th anniversary concert. They also released a new album and organized a photo exhibition. Ben Che went to talk to the band. This year is your uh, 15th anniversary. Um, what do you guys have planned for this this year for your band? The original plan this year was to celebrate with, with re releasing a brand new album. So that's what we have, we've got for everybody. Yeah. We've got a brand new album called CNHC, which stands for China Hardcore, because we're very proud of being you know, one of the very first Chinese hardcore bands. Then there's uh, the English CD, so because I sing all the songs in English, one version of them. Then I re-recorded all the vo vocals in, in Mandarin, so there's also a Mandarin version of the 16 songs on our album. So it's 32 songs all together. You mentioned English and Chinese and uh, Mandarin. Why, why did you guys decide to do two languages? I mean, since 2000, actually, we've always had Cantonese and English. So we've always had Chinese and English in our songs. Mm -hmm. But we've only had one version of the song with Cantonese and English mixed in. We've always done that because, I mean, for us, hardcore is all about the message. Without the message and the lyrics about whatever it is about, you know, society or things that are going on in the world. Without that, it's not hardcore, it's just metal. You know what I mean? There's a huge difference between that type of music. So when I was singing in the first year of the band, I was only singing in English. And I was noticing that a lot of people weren't getting the message of the song because it was all in English, you know? And we really were about in inspiring the local audience, local Hong Kong audience to feel something about punk and hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So from 2000, we started putting some, some Chinese into our songs. But starting in uh, 2009, what we did was like, you know what? When we started, when we start playing in English-speaking places around the world, the Cantonese words really don't work, <laughs> right? Because they don't get it; they have yeah, no idea. Then, if you're doing that, the people are focusing on the music only; and they're missing the message. Again, mm. we had that issue, and we were like, you know what? We need to start separating. Let's mm. have an English version of the song, and then have a Chinese version of the song. But it's all worth it in the end because when we get on stage and people are just going nuts because the lyrics mean something to them, mm. you know speaks to them in some way, has helped them through something that they're going through mm. on in their life, it's the most meaningful thing. Apart from just doing a show for your anniversary, what you guys the idea of doing photo exhibition and doing all these extra things? While we were creating that record and, and releasing it and working on it and mixing it, mastering all that stuff, we were like, you know what, this is our 15th year you know, as an anniversary and we're celebrating the 15th year, we should do something really special. And it just came out of conversation, we're like, Let's do a photo exhibition, you know? And I was just like, you know what? I have a lot of stuff that I've saved up for 15 years, you know? So even to the point where I had to go back to my mom's house in Team Nadar, <laughs> I had to go back to my mom's house, go underneath my old bed, uh, pull out all this old stuff. And I have photos from our very first show at the Wanch in 1999. We have old passes. We have old stickers, old patches that we made. Can you guys describe what hardcore is? I mean, what, what is this word hardcore that you guys wow. represent? I mean, for me, I, it all stems from punk rock, right? You know, the whole world of hardcore comes from that whole punk rock mentality of do-it-yourself, 
uh, staying true, being a little bit more pure and real with your ideals. You know, for us to to walk down this road for the past 15 years, we've constantly chosen the the route of struggle, the harder road for sure. You know, we could have taken the easier road. You know, the band would have definitely exploded more than than what we where we are right now. But at least we stayed true. You know, we stayed yeah. true to ourselves. And I think hardcore, that whole mentality of using the, the energy you have, using your passion you have to to you know impact. So the society in a way. And that's our whole goal, besides talking about hardcore the whole time, was using lyrics, using our music to talk about, you know, issues in our society, like, you know, racism or, you know, gender issues or things like that that usually, not usually, the mainstream will not talk about. You know, they will not talk about that type of stuff. And obviously that's a big struggle, right? A big sacrifice to give up so much. Um, is it worth it? I, I, I don't regret anything I, mm. I've done. So, yeah, I think life is always uncertain. Mm. So... Uh, I, I'm glad I did that. It's a constant struggle to play in a band, try to be full-time in Hong Kong, and then you have to uh, get yourself something to eat <laughs> by working, so it's a, a very big struggle. Mm. Yeah. So, I think mainly mm. that the reason why a lot of the band members have left is because of that, because, mm. you know, like, like Andy just said, we do, it, this might be a hobby to a lot of people, but for us, like, we take it very seriously. And uh, like Andy said, we actually did try to do it as full-time as we could. You know, mm. with, you know obviously, mm -hmm. we have to survive in Hong Kong, and it's not a cheap place to survive anyway, right? And if you're doing anything arts-related in Hong Kong, good luck. Obviously, Hong Kong's been going through a lot politically with the whole umbrella movement, Occupy Central. Do you think King Wei might play a role in inspiring youth to be more politically minded, to be more active? I mean, 15 years ago when we first started this band and we're, you know, singing about these things, hmm. uh, the youth culture in Hong Kong, the youth in Hong Kong were not really that into it. And when I would get on stage and in between songs, I would do a lot of talking and explain what the song is all about. A lot of people are like, oh man, I really don't <laughs> want to listen to this guy. He sounds like my teacher, you know? And they're like, I've been at school all day. I don't need to listen to it. You know, it was very much like that. So. Uh, there are a couple things that have happened in Hong Kong that really set a flame and turned the youth on their heads. Suddenly, people were really like, you know, what if our freedoms are gone? How is that going to impact us? To see that, I mean, I don't know how the government cannot feel inspired. How can the government not feel proud of the youth? They took out, they took the streets. They took over the streets and stopped Hong Kong, the youth. You know what I mean? Like that, they're the people that care about this city so much that were willing to sacrifice their schooling, their their work, because some of them have to work, all that to take over Hong Kong to stand up for what they believe in. And what they believe in is our freedoms. Mm. That, that's all it is, as simple as, as that. As naive as it may sound, this is where we are. This is Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is such a special place. It's so well known because of our freedoms. Once that's gone, it's over. Mm -hmm. Last week, we introduced the work of Turkish-American photographer Akif Hakan, much of which was shot on Hong Kong's city streets. He isn't the only one to be looking for something unique in the urban landscape. Meteor Times Minography is a group exhibition by five local photographers who also explore Hong Kong as a subject. Two of them, Venus Ng and Stansfield Toe, tell us more about the show and the work. Actually, when I was young, I was very young. 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 I
、呃，所以可能係細個嘅時候、呃、都會受佢嘅影響咯。相片嘅意義啦，咁其實係誒記錄生活嘅，咁因為我自己中意旅行啦，咁所以都中意影相。其實都係一班同學一齊開始先嘅，可能各自都喺唔同嘅地方，都喺之前誒誒影開相啊咁樣。誒咁咁啱有一次我哋有機會一齊做相展嘅時候，大家嘅意念都一樣，咁攰埋一齊就將自己各自嘅作品擺咗出嚟。Venus M is one of the five local photographers, all graduates of the same commercial photography program, taking part in the exhibition Minography. The name meanography brings together the ideas of both meaning and photography. The five photographers come from different backgrounds and take a wide variety of photographs, but they have one thing in common, the wish to promote local photographic culture. Each of them has chosen a topic to express what photography means to him or her. Venus's set of images is called Enjoy Life, Series of Mawan. 咁其實馬灣吸引嘅地方係誒寧靜啦。咁我發現到另外一個公園咧，其實都有好多好靚嘅景物，都可以影一啲生活嘅小品。因為我直中意影生活嘅小品，咁所以我覺得好中意嗰笪地方咯。Stansfield Toe loves to take photographs on the streets and more specifically crowded streets. He says his biggest inspiration is the people he comes across or the things that happen around him. At first, he wasn't quite as enthusiastic about taking photographs, but that changed under the influence of his wife, a keen photography fan. 咁基本上我所謂學到嘅攝影技巧啊，各類咧都係從書本學翻出嚟嘅。誒，因為我希望既然學到啦，咁我可以同我太太去分享，咁開始慢慢慢慢接觸多啲攝影，會好似一般嘅攝影人咁啦，會睇下啲大師嘅作品，睇到。兩位日本攝影師就係木村伊兵衛啦，同埋呢個東重照明啦。咁木村伊兵衛喺前期對我影響咧，我個人嘅感覺啦佢嘅相俾到我好濃厚嘅生活感，呢樣係帶到我最初初去嘗試街拍嘅一個動力。東重照明嘅手法係我而家最常用嘅，例如係高反差啊，各類手法。咁喺呢個城市裏面就好似個大舞台咁嘅樣。我唔同街道嘅時候咧，就會好似一幕幕不停轉嘅背景，成個畫面好異幻似真啊！我希望透過玩呢個系列，誒用一啲有趣角度去表達我所睇到嘅世界出嚟，同大家分享。菲林俾到我個生命感，我喺街裏面同我嘅被攝體去接觸，形成一個菲林，我所謂叫佢做一個可能一個成受孕嘅卵子。咁，但係我喺呢個過程裏面，我仲可以控制我嘅生命體成品出嚟係點嘅樣，就係、是、喺、呃、我沖沖飛諗嘅時候去控制。當你成功做咗樣嘢出嚟嘅時候咧，呢樣嘢係飛諗俾到我最大嘅滿足感。We'll be back after the break. See you then. Welcome back. Zheng Kuangqi is the son of exiled Chinese nationalists. He was born in Hong Kong in 1950, moved to Canada with his family when he was 16, and died in New York in 1990. Belonging, identity, and statelessness were major themes of his art. He is particularly known for his photographic self-portraits. 
in the Expeditionary Self-Portrait Series. He poses in front of iconic architecture and nature in a Mao suit in his invented artistic persona as an ambiguous ambassador. Time now to kick back and relax. Imagine you're on a beach somewhere in the West Indies. The Red Stripes play soul, mod and ska. They began as a four-piece band, but now there's ten of them. And they're here talking to Ben Peltier. Fred and the Red Stripes here in the studio yeah. with us. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. You've Thank got you. quite an ensemble here. Yeah. Could, could you uh, take us around the group and introduce us? Okay, sure. We've got Hugo, we've got Simon, we've got Cam, we've got Matt, we've got Sarah, and we've got Paul, then we've got Peter on guitar, and then we've got another guitar, Ross, here, and we've got Maninda on percussion. Well, it's a massive group. Uh, I assume it yeah. didn't always start out with, uh, with, with ten people. Yeah, no, we started with a four-piece. Uh -huh. We started as a four-piece with a kind of intention to play kind of soul and swing and stuff like that. But and then what happened? Well, I think it was Paul. Paul came up with the idea. He said, I want to play some specials. And I said, oh, I, that's, that was my era. I remember that, yeah. And then... Uh, we got hold of Cam, and Cam was playing Scar in college, and Ross was open to anything. So that the four of us were kind of like the founding members. And Sarah joined really quickly after that. Now, for those off. unfamiliar with the music, yeah. it, it's got quite a history, but can you take us through uh, just uh, briefly, what is Scar? Well, Scar music it came from Jamaica, really. It was kind of like an underground music, which, which was, was banned, actually, when, the, when it was a British colony. And then... Uh, 
as soon as the British released Jamaica to its own people, ska music became very popular and it's kind of quite upbeat. But ska was the, the precursor to, to uh, another music called Rocksteady, which then evolved into reggae. And, of course, people like Bob Marley and Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler. But a lot of people associate Jamaica with reggae music. But actually, ska was, was the grandfather, granddaddy now, of all that. The popularity of, of ska music has gone in waves yeah, somewhat. Yeah. And, uh, and so perhaps, uh, is, it, is it in a resurgence now? Well, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, it, there's certainly a, a big following in Europe. And uh, there's an emerging market in, in, the, in the U.S. as well. And U.K.'s always remained popular. There's always been a strong, hardcore of people that turn up to Scar Fest and Scar, Scar stuff. Yeah. Well, now bringing it here to Hong Kong, yeah. it's very exciting that you have a group like this doing this music here yeah. in town. Uh, what's the reception been like? Well, I think it's amazing because every time we play, the places get rammed, the venues get full up, and everybody goes out hot and sweaty and ha have had a good time. You know, so. It is very exciting music. Yeah. Uh, what projects have you done that would be highlights for well, the group? Yeah, Paul, you Paul, come in on this one. We, we worked with uh, a guy called Sultan Ali, and you may have seen us at the Cock and Flap show there. And Sultan Ali, actually, his father was a, a man called Prince Buster. Prince Buster was one of the original Scar uh, writers and producers. And s they worked through Sound System, and they had a record shop, and they made records, and Prince Buster himself recorded a lot of the kind of um, early stuff. And we were quite privileged to, to, in that lineage to really work with Sultan Ali. And uh, it was a bit of a challenge because we had to learn a whole new set of music, and uh, it was a whole sort of different vibe to the stuff that we play, which is a bit more up-tempo. So it's a bit more rock steady, but it was really it was really a good lesson for us to get back to the to the roots of the music. As the group has continued to grow, what are, what's the future of Red Stripe? Yeah, well, it's been a I think it was a bang year really. We've been going about eighteen months, but we uh, we're actually writing. Ross is Ross is writing quite a lot of stuff. We're um, we're currently recording, and we hope to, to to press some vinyl. I know it's old old stuff, but we. We're going to have some vinyl, which we hope to get um, released in London uh, in late April. And then we've, we've been contacted by some interest of playing overseas. So we're hoping to take the Hong Kong scar out of Hong Kong and, and, and possibly go, go and play overseas. Yeah. Well, I understand here in the program we have a bit of Laurel Aitken coming up. Yeah, that's right. We're very, again, Laurel Aitken was a kind of contemporary of Prince Buster. And uh, we picked up one of his tunes, which is called Sally Brown. Let's hear it. Okay.